Hey, this is Cam Pipes from Three Inches of Blood. This is Charlotte from The Lane. This is Brittany Slace from Unleash the Archers. What's up? This is Tim Roth from Into Eternity, and you're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, Great Metal Debate listeners. Today we're pleased to be joined by Parker Jameson, vocalist and guitarist for the metal band Starkill. Parker, we really appreciate you joining us today on the Great Metal Debate podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, let's begin with a point of clarification for fans. What is the relationship between Starkill and your previous band, Massacrant? Um, when we were, you know, younger kids first starting, you know, our first metal band, um, we had actually gone through a couple name changes, and Massacrin stuck a little bit longer than maybe some of the other ones, and um, we kind of gained a little bit of attention by doing some music videos um, with the help of some friends that we knew who were in film school and stuff, and recording demos, and just kind of searching um, for the attention of a label, and Century Media, our current label right now, did notice um, the music and stuff going on with that. But um, when we were in the studio recording what would become um, Starkill's debut record, we just decided with the direction we were taking our music and foresaw it going, not even in the immediate future, you know, four or five, even you know, longer years, we knew we wanted an image and a name that was more all-encompassing because we have so many diverse influences, you know, from like Marduk to Blind Guardian, there's not a lot of bands that, you know, try and put all that into the same, you know, record or even in the same song. So before any announcements um, were made, we actually switched the name, kept the lineup, kept a lot of the material, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it's, it was the same, the same music and the same mindset, but just now that we weren't, you know, 14 to 18, we realized maybe Corpse Paint and Norwegian you know, super black metal bands, <laughs> or are not super black metal music. I mean, we were young. We had absolutely no idea anything about metal when we formed, you know, when we had the Massacre name. We were maybe two years into the, into the musical experience and were super captivated by it, but were admittedly pretty naive. So it was, the band is and still was, a, you know, it's, it's a growing, changing experience. Sure. Same band, but wanted to go with a name that, that you knew would last for many years, I got you. So. Yeah, it was kind of just trial and error, and then we were like, okay, this is how we officially want to, you know, break into the public eye, I guess. You touched already on the, the different styles and influences. You all sell a shirt that reads, Epic, Extreme, Melodic, Black and Thrash, Power, Symphonic, Death Metal. Uh, I have to ask, I, I laughed when I first saw that. Is, is that somewhat tongue-in-cheek? Or, I oh, mean, absolutely. Do you really... Yeah, I mean, it's when people ask me to describe our music, it's that's the long way to doing it, to do it, or sometimes it's just like, I don't know, Dragon Force meets Demon Board here. Like we do have really diverse influences and we don't I don't think we really think that hard when we're writing the music. Like it's just it's just what comes out because we listen to so much different stuff. And then you got these other guys that are constantly trying to categorize our band and it's just I think it's funny. So we just put the shirt out as kind of a joke and quite frankly I think it's hilarious and an awesome looking shirt, so we, we we really listen to it all, I guess. So long as there's not breakdowns, we're into it. <laughs> From my point of view, the vibe of the van musically is much more European than American. 
Mm -hmm. Um, Have you always been a fan of that European brand of heavy metal? Yeah, I mean, when I started playing guitar when I was like 14, like a freshman in high school, and I didn't know anything about metal. I didn't know I didn't know and I didn't actively seek out Metallica or Pantera or Slayer or maybe some of the common stuff that, you know, American, you know, or the American thrash scene. It was all that I thought metal was and I wasn't super into it. And um, I was pretty much listening to guys like Steve Vai and Yngwie Malmsteen and Petrucci mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which through YouTube clicking or something um, led me to Children of Bodom which blew my mind. It didn't sound like any of, you know, the metal that I thought metal was because I was super right. musically sheltered. I didn't listen to that much. I think I bought my first CD when I was like 14. It was a live Rush album. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, I pretty much just jumped right into that European scene as soon as I found Bodum and like Sonata Arctica. Nightwish is one of my favorite bands. Um, yeah, I can remember when I was 16, 17. Yeah, I think I got three or four albums in a bunch and they were... Um, Bones, Hate Breeder, Night Wishes Once, and some Sonata Arctica, Sonata Arctica album, and those things wow. were just like a constant repeat, and that's, oh, and Ensiferum too, those are like the core of my metal foundation, I guess, so it, it is very European, purposefully. That's great, that's some great influences right there. Speaking of European influences, you, you recently completed a tour of North America supporting Arch Enemy and Creator, some great... Yep. European bands. What was that experience like, and uh, do you do you feel you were able to win over some new fans to Starkill in front of those audiences? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like we couldn't have asked for a more compatible crowd. Arch Enemy was the reason our bass player got into metal in the first place. They were super influential to my guitar playing and my vocal style as well. So we were just super starstruck. I remember at the first show, uh, Michael Amick came up and like just casually started talking and then he walks away and I think I had to like wipe the sweat from my forehead because it was like, oh, <laughs> guitar hero, you know, like it was, it was really cool though. Very, very compatible crowds and, you know, legendary bands. It was super neat. Absolutely. And I got a chance to see you guys at the uh, Cincinnati show and you certainly held your own on stage with those other bands. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. I understand you also had the opportunity to play some headlining gigs along that same tour. Share with us how those went. Um, it was mostly because, I mean, we're super in the headliners, but I'd love to stick with the rest of the of the tour. But um, there were some Canadian curfew limits where they could only handle, you know, a three-band package as opposed to four. So we mm-hmm. were just, we had no choice. There were like six shows that we couldn't do. So we just kind of tackled the routing um, from Illinois to... Um, Hollywood or wherever the, the show was, San Francisco, I don't know. And we just, you know, played all over the place with a bunch of locals and, you know, had a super good time. Parking lot, Warriors, you know, the all usual right. uh, the usual startup band kind of shenanigans. But, yeah, it was good. We, we love, I do like the small shows, too, where you can actually just jump into the crowd and do whatever you want to do. Can't really do that when you're playing like a House of Blues, but <laughs> there's a time and a place. Plus, you get to play a longer set. Yes, I much prefer playing for 45 minutes rather than like 22 and a half, barely. <laughs> and that leads us you know, to the number of songs you can play, songs off your new album. Let's talk about that album, Virus of the Mind, for a minute. Mm-hmm. Just released in October. Uh, how does this album differ from its predecessor, Fires of Life, and are you pleased with the initial reaction from fans? Um, I think on the first album, there was a lot more maybe a Mata Marth kind of feel of like 
triumphant, fuck yeah, charging the battle, let's go. And on the newer ones, it's there's a, a more depressing kind of quality to it. It's more melancholic, and there's maybe more hypocrisy and some death clock in there, which, again, was purposeful. We had five more years of writing. Even though the albums were separated by 18 months, most of the material on the first album we wrote when we were between 14 and, like, 19 years old. So there's still the young kind of inexperience, which is cool and made, gave it a unique sound. But, you know, you can hear a change in songwriting from when I was 19 to when I was 24 in the newest record. And I think there's just really tasty guitar solos and just this darker vibe. And clean vocals were like a complete game changer for the record, which when you were talking about fan response, I knew as soon as we dropped one song with clean vocals that we were probably going to alienate and lose like 5% of the fan base. But I, I mean, that was expected. I think we opened up a lot of doors and I didn't know I could do clean vocals. I never really practiced them um, prior to the first record. Um, and with that lineup, they were kind of apprehensive about doing it. And it was when we did a European tour with Amorphous that just totally changed my mind and Tommy Allison's clean vocals were like, that is the coolest instrument, you know, maybe next to a lead guitar <laughs> that I've ever heard. So when we came back, we just started writing and singing and practicing and working with harmonies. And it just allows us to take more of the melodic, you know, and bring the melody forward in the new material, which is exactly what I wanted the band to be, you know, back when we were massacring. This is why I wanted to change the, the name to Starkill. I would think that would be a little frustrating. I'm a huge fan of that mixture of the clean and harsh vocals, and it has to be a little frustrating to know that there are some fans out there who who just want that harsh death vocal approach. I mean, mm -hmm. how, how do you do? You, do you feel like you've been able though to gain some other fans who maybe uh, would would see you not as in that pure death metal box? Well, I don't even necessarily think of us just in that death metal box. There's so much. I think if you deleted all the vocals from all our material, you'd realize that it's just music, you know? There's a lot of hair metal and 80s shreddy stuff going on. And I think just there's narrow-minded people in every genre, and I don't really mind that we lost them. I'd rather them be gone and know that they were only in it for like an image thing, a musicality thing, because I think it's more expressive. And we've definitely gained a lot of new fans who, you know, maybe need a followable melody. And I think it was a, a, a smart choice and again it's not like we were doing it to sell out or anything it's just i wanted clean vocals on my material and i think sure. it sounds good so sure well you're taking on a lot of responsibilities you're both the singer and you play guitar on stage how difficult is it to execute both those skills live and especially now that you're that you are mixing in both clean and harsh vocals um it's there's, there's a there's a definite learning curve and some practice you got to throw in there um when I'm writing guitar, I always do vocals last, and I always write the vocals in complete disregard to how the guitar parts are, which sometimes I regret later. But again, I don't know, set a metric on the half tempo and then just, you know, retard your way through it until you can eventually do it. And I was surprised. I thought the um, the death metal vocals and cleans were, would maybe kind of, you know, maybe impede on one another just because of the different throat styles, but my death metal vocals aren't super loud. Um, mm -hmm. I used to play saxophone and it's, it, it's, it's like a similar breathing thing. It's just all diaphragm and it, there's no 
you know, throat distortion or anything. I can do a whole set and walk away with a completely normal voice. So, so now uh, you've released the album. You've had a big American tour. What are Starkill's plans for 2015? Um, we are already working on booking the early summer and late fall. We are, you know, in talks with a lot of things that aren't 100% final, but we just, we need to tour as much as we possibly can. We still have a lot of ground to cover, and we haven't even hit Europe um, with the new album yet. And it'd be really great, you know, if this year we could maybe hit South America and parts of Mexico and stuff. So we're just looking to tour and expand our reach to places we haven't done before. And I think 2015 is going to be a very uh, productive and expanding year for us. That's very exciting. So wrapping up here, Parker, how can fans who want to support the band purchase music and merchandise from Starkill? Uh, the number one way is to come out live and buy direct. There's A, it makes us feel good. B, the money's going straight into our pockets. Um, but we do have an online merch store, which if you just Google it, you can find it. And we sell a lot of stuff from home where we'll ship it out. Um, we'll sign or do whatever custom kind of request you might want for the merch. And then there's also the uh, CM Distro website where they have all of our albums available and a couple shirts also. But the live thing, can't stress it enough. That's that's what keeps the scene afloat. So. And as someone who's seen you all live, I'll tell you, it's, it's certainly worth it uh, to go out there, see these guys live, and uh, pick up some merch while you're at it. Parker, before we let you go, any final message to your fans out there? Um, just thank you. <laughs> thank you for the support. We're usually at every show we sell our own merch and we stay there. And it's, it's just nice to meet people who have been following us and we really do, you know, listen to the comments and everything that we see online. And it's, they're the reason we're doing it. We can't, it's an, an overused phrase, but we really do mean that. Well, Parker, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, look forward to seeing you guys out on the road uh, in the coming year. Yep, thank you very much. <laughs> 